This is Ken Feith with uh, Metro Archives series back in the day. Today we have a very interesting topic for you. We're going to, uh, the National Archives uh, recently began a program to do some research on uh, the German community in Nashville and how they reacted to, to World War I, uh, how the war affected them. And we have a researcher with us, uh, uh, Amy Wanamaker. Uh, she has her Bachelor of Arts from Belmont in history. She recently completed her master's degree in German from um, University College in London. And she's with the archives now doing research on this topic. And so, Amy, I thought I'd just uh, let you introduce yourself and then talk a little bit about the, this project and, and where you, how it's going so far. Well, thank you for having me, Ken. Um, just a little bit of background information. Uh, the interest in this research actually started about a year and a half ago when I was doing work for the archives on another project, just accumulating as many uh, newspaper articles as possible over World War One, And we started to notice, you and I both did, started to notice that there were plenty of articles discussing the treatment of Germans, not only in the Nashville area, but across the United States. And so that kind of got my wheels turning and from the comeback to do this research, obviously it did the same for the archives as well. And we realized that no research has been done on this subject um, as far as previous research. So we have all of these articles that we can trace back from the various newspapers, whether they be English or German, because German citizens did have their own newspaper at the time. Mm -hmm. And we're going through those uh kind of gathering as many newspaper articles as possible, covering the treatment of Germans inside Nashville's community, as well as German-Americans. But we're also taking a look at the treatment of Germans and German-Americans throughout the rest of the United States to kind of compare. Um, nothing seems to be out of the ordinary. Um, we do. I have noticed that larger communities such as metropolitan areas, including Nashville, tended to have a more systematic anti-German approach to things simply because they were much more metropolitan areas and included a large amount of various populations. Now, the town I grew up in in Ohio was settled by German Catholics and maintained a uh, large majority of German Catholics throughout okay. even until today. Mm -hmm. And as a result, my own town in Ohio <laughs> suffered very little resistance towards the German community because mm -hmm. that was the predominant community. Um, but that cannot be said about everywhere across the United <laughs> States. It just depended on what the cultural divisions were uh -huh. and what the cultural makeup was. So going back to the research we're doing here, along with collecting all of the articles directly, res directly responding to our interest in the Nashville German community, I'm also taking a look at how things were portrayed in the media as far as how the war was going even before we entered it. Mm -hmm. um, it is clear that even before we entered the war, we were what I like to call neutral allies <laughs> to the British and the French and the allied nations. Um, just like World War II, we were sponsoring them with any kind of foodstuffs, military equipment, and any kind of merchant goods that we could send their way simply because of the embargoes going on. 
and because of the constant barrage of U-boat attacks Mm -hmm. in the oceans. So we were trying to help out as much as possible. So obviously there was hostility from the various nations that were we were fight mm-hmm. or that the allies were fighting against including Germany. And so we already were having our own U-boat menacing problems occurring on the coasts of the United States and the Atlantic. And so there was plenty of animosity going on mm-hmm. and you really saw that portrayed in the media just with how things were discussed when attacks happened on the United States, which rightfully so does cause shock and mm-hmm. aggressive nature, but also how they were pejoratizing German politics mm-hmm. in Germany and the treatment of um, prisoners of war under mm-hmm. Germans, where they didn't focus nearly the same amount of attention, attention on the prisoners held by the French or by the British. Mm-hmm. Um, very minimal is said about those in the newspaper that I've come across so far. Now that can definitely change. Um, but right now it seems to show that there was a specified thought process even before we went to war that we had already chosen our side. And so we were <laughs> basing our news based on that small focus. So so really, um, you know, this Right now, from 2017 through 2018, all this is going to be the 100th anniversary of uh, America's entry into World War One. So you're saying that um, I knew there was a little bit of, um, I guess, resentment on the Imperial German side because because England embargo, England had a sort of a hold on the seas, and so uh, we the United States couldn't send anything to Germany and really didn't see much interest in doing so. So all of our effort went to England and France. And then um, that's interesting that even here in Nashville, um, you say we started ramping up toward anti-German, you know, the the typical thing we would do with an enemy at any time period. And, and that's really interesting. And, of course, you, the project is just getting started, but um, it's interesting what you found so far, that Nashville was already getting primed, and now that the war is on, all the uh, propaganda, I guess, is coming down, and we're, we're following right along as far as our newspapers. Most definitely. Um, I mean, just with research I did, uh, there were several articles in March 1917 newspapers in the Nashville Banner, for those of you that remember that newspaper or have memory of that newspaper existing. Um, At the beginning or at the very end of March, there was an article in the newspaper that said, Alien Status in the United States. That's the headline. And the article goes into the fact that the federal government saw no point in interning German nationals in the United States if we were to go to war. <laughs> they also went forward in saying that any alien residents in the United States that sought naturalization process if we did wage war they would be giving they would be given favorable treatment in order to rush that process through. Hmm, that's interesting. Now, within <clears throat> a month, that article is found very moot. Um, <laughs> within a, within the day before we actually well, within two days before uh, waging war on Germany, we call we actually had an additional message in the newspaper saying. Assurance given to all foreigners, no danger for them in the United States while acting properly. And this essentially changed (laughs) 
the undertones of the original, uh, or not undertones, the very direct statement mm-hmm. that they were not going to be, you know, harassed in any way as, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. as long as they were favoring naturalization. Well, this article goes in, the second article goes into that uh, you didn't have to worry about being interned or losing your land because at this time the Alien Land Act was also taking effect, which basically allowed the federal government to take away land from any alien intense uh, person (laughs) living in the United States Hmm. that the government saw as a political or a political rival or a saboteur (laughs) working with the enemy. So the second article essentially goes into, in response to the Alien Land Act, the uh, Secretary Tumulty essentially said, no aliens have anything to worry about as long as they're acting within America's best interest. As long as you're (laughs) maintaining your support for the country, nothing will happen to you. Hmm. But it also takes away from the fact that nothing would happen to any of them. And then uh, that even changed further. (laughs) Of course it did. Um, In another article from just four days after the second article, the article title is course of germans in the united states uh commended in reports to the justice department of or to the department of justices espionage cases and essentially this goes into the fact that the federal government openly admits that they have already arrested and been watching uh germans and german americans throughout the united states Hmm. and they know more arrests are going to occur uh in all of these generally are going into they're being charged with various forms of espionage um and this can be from actual attempts to dismantle uh boats and merchant ships or it can be even little things such as walking which we found one of uh a group of German teenagers hiking around Atlanta (laughs) and because they didn't have proper identification and it seemed weird to the officials that this group of people were just, you know, hiking around that weren't Americans, they were all detained for several hours until their identities were confirmed. I can see how that would be a threat. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Bunch of teenagers in Atlanta. Exactly. So, well, I mean, that's... That's just, yeah, they, they could just be as dangerous. So it essentially, with these two second articles, it basically shows that even though America claimed that no Germans had anything to worry about, no aliens had anything to worry about, it's clear that within less than a month, that whole mentality had changed based on the escalation of the war effort. Now, it should be said that we uh, declared war on Germany on Easter weekend, uh, 1917, which is right at the beginning of April. And so within a week, there was a massive surge in uh, naturalization forms and people from not only Germany, but all immigrants hmm. wanting to become Americanized <laughs> citizens. And it was very common. I mean, this was uh, Nashville saw saw a huge upsurge, but so did the rest of the country. Mm -hmm. Um, With that in mind, it caused quite a number of its own issues. Um, One main issue was 
all of these naturalized citizens from that first article I described uh, thought that they were going to be given favored uh citizenship status, Mm -hmm. um, that Mm -hmm. they were going to be kind of favored in the process and allowed to move forward easier or quicker. Truth of the matter was, after we did declare war, that was not held up to in any stretch of the imagination. Mm -hmm. Um, For many people, they did get through the naturalization process just fine. But there were many instances where people, their history wouldn't quite fit what the American government wanted for new immigrants. And so as a result, they would use minor blemishes, either of activity that happened in the United States, um, political affiliation, too much affiliation to the old country. They would use that as reasons to not only withhold naturalization or citizenship, but they would also use it as a way to round these people up and put them in internment camps or hold them in immigration centers such as Ellis Island. Um, there is, since I'm so early in the research, I have not found out what has happened to these people yet. Mm-hmm. Um, if they were released after a certain duration of time, still during the war, or if they were kept throughout the war until the war's end. So that's something I'm still curious about and still looking for just because it baffles me that you know you you would portray an entire situation in this beautiful light like there's still hope for all of you immigrants that haven't naturalized yet and then they use that same process to round them up that's you know it sounds like we're trying to create uh like a database if you will of all the these are the germans that we know about or german americans you know they've already registered so we've got them so it, well, they'll be easier to watch, or we know that they've got affiliation with the old country, you know. And and um, it's fascinating to hear you talk about the the being put in internment areas or held on Ellis Island. So really, an internment camp is not a it's not a 1940s idea. It's been around quite a lot longer than that, as far as taking um, uh, enemy aliens here or immigrants that are here and and putting them in a camp someplace, you know. Uh, pretty interesting. Uh, yeah, most definitely. Uh, for my own research, not just in this, but just over my research of history in general, I know for mm-hmm. a fact we've had internment camps in the United States uh, shortly after the Civil War ended with the hmm. expansion west. Um, they were initially used for Native Americans. Mm-hmm. Um when these Native American tribes would push back against the federal government for trying to seize their land in whenever they would go, the federal government would go back on the deals and try to push for uh, push forward into Native American land. Whenever those men would fight back, they would gather up the ringleaders as well as some of the other warriors and intern them without any kind of sentencing process. Hmm. They didn't want them in the jail system because that was for what they considered American citizens. Hmm. But they needed to be specially kept in order to stop causing a problem. And so it it actually makes a lot more sense why we institutionalized uh, internment camps during World War II. I am not saying that it was a good way to go. (laughs) Um, It definitely was not, in my opinion. Um, And I think it caused more hostility than uniting the people. But it makes more sense how the federal government got to that point when you understand that that it wasn't a new thing. Internment camps had been used 
multiple times over in order to maintain our under well in order to maintain secure enclosures secure. for people we didn't trust so so really the, the yeah the, the protocol the precedent was already there and so when yeah when especially with World War one we kind of reactivated these camps so after the war and everything settled down well what 28, 30 years later, we have another war, and the camp, you know, that's in living memory, so everybody knows. So I can see how that got started again. Uh, no, that's not a very good idea at all, but it's interesting that um, it started long before World War II. Yes, and I should note the rules that governed internment camps in World War II were a different set of laws mm-hmm. that were enacted um, in order to directly confront the issues during World War One. So it's not the same legislature that allowed the internment camps of World War One, but they're all rooted from the same space. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they were all understood to be, at least in the political mindset, that they were useful. Mm-hmm. Did, did uh, in the research you've done so far, is... Um uh, is the Nashville German community, are they aware of these camps, or is this being reported any in the papers? I know uh, The camps early. are being reported on, but very minimally. Mm-hmm. Um, I only found traces of them through articles uh, discussing the naturalization process and mm-hmm. just a little byline that people that don't pass are put into these situations. So I haven't found an article detailing them in mm-hmm. general yet, but mm-hmm. I've right now I have been working with the Nashville Banner newspaper, mm-hmm. um, but I've also been collecting records uh, from the Church of the Assumption, which is the German Catholic Church that mm-hmm. was set up well in... In the middle 1800s, mm-hmm. so it was very well established by World War One and had a large, thriving German community set up around it. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've been looking into their records and trying to find out what their expectations were, but it does seem like German, the Germans in the Nashville area were aware of the excessive pressure on them in order to prove themselves as patriotic Americans. Um, Two articles that I can kind of shed light on to show a little bit of this is um, a couple that actually came from two German American companies that were set up in Nashville. (laughs) Uh, The first one, let me pull out my, the first one is dated April 10th, 1917, uh, the headline is Lebeck Brothers Show True Patriotism. <laughs> we'll give half pay to every employee that enlists in government service. So the article goes on to say that the Lebeck Brothers Company, which was a German home goods company, um, they would offer half pay to any one of their employees that offered themselves up for military service mm-hmm. and would continue to pay half pay the entire length of time that that man was working for the military. That's so pretty, not only were they generous considering there's no law to do that. There, were, there was no law and they were the first company in Nashville to do it. Hmm. Not one other company, German or, you know, other Mm -hmm. Irish-American, different variants of the community. No one felt that pressure Hmm. other than the German community. And so the Lebeck brothers, within a few days of us waging war against Germany, 
they were fast to react within less than a week. So, the, oh, that, well, yeah, this was, um, we, we declared war on April 6th, and this article was when? It was April... April uh, 10th, so April within 10th. four days. You're talking about four days, yeah, yeah. So they really came out as, as being a patriotic company. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah and yeah. within four days of them, uh, on April 14th, uh, the Deal and Lord Company, another German, large German company here in Nashville, offered mm-hmm. the exact same thing. Hmm. So they took what Lebeck offered and they adopted the exact same precondition. So they offered half pay as well. And it was, again, because they felt the need to show their true patriotism as a German company in the United States. You know, that's quite a commitment to pay them half pay for the duration of the war. I mean, you've got an employee that's gone, essentially, so you're you're paying them for no work. But it's amazing that they would give them half pay for duration, you know, because they're not sure how long it's going to last, you know. And, yeah, that's interesting. These two companies felt necessary to do that sort of – to, to protect themselves, I guess, in a way, and probably some of their employees too, I don't know, but to give um, more credence to the idea that we're patriotic Americans and, you know, we're, we're here and we're American, you know. Well, and it's very interesting you say that because I've come to a couple conclusions about why they did this. One, I mean, they had to sh- show their own patriotism mm-hmm. as, like I said, they were German businesses in a very South American town. But also, I think a lot of it had to do with, by showing their support, they were getting more business. Because at the time, it was very common throughout the United States, um, in these larger cities, for people to boycott anyone or any business Hmm. that could still be associated with an enemy nation. And so I think a lot of it was done self-serving, but I don't think that was the only reason. Mm -hmm. I think it was a combination of reasons that led them to do this. But when you think about these men were also being paid by the military for their service, a lot of these employees Uh, were making some really good money. (laughs) Making serious Uh, money with this. Yeah, I mean, now granted military pay Mm -hmm. was not phenomenal in comparison to what you would make in the private sector. But the fact that you're having military pay on top of half of your annual income in the private sector, I mean, your family was able to sustain themselves throughout the war. Uh, you know that's that's pretty interesting. Um, and I hadn't thought about that. the two you you're getting double dipping in a way, you know, because your your employer is still doing that, and then the the military would do that, you know and and so really, these were kind of uh, well, the companies had, uh, very good intentions, but it's also a business ad. You know, it seems like it's also a thing for, you know, sales and things like that. So that's pretty interesting. Uh, have you found other things along that line as far as the newspapers? or anything? I know it's early in the process. But. Oh, yeah. Um, just in Nashville, mm-hmm. um, a couple interesting things I found that kind of tie into this. Uh, one, The first one is from... An article in the March 16th, 1917 newspaper, and the title is Nashville Boy Held as a Spy. (laughs) And the article goes into James Morrissey of Nashville was held in Canada while on vacation. (laughs) 
uh, as a German spy for three days until his identity could be verified <laughs> and his release was guaranteed. And it was just little things like that. Now, granted, this is, you know, just a little over a half month before we went to war. But since Canada was, you know, part of the British, British Empire, Empire uh, they yeah, had yeah, a different set right. of standards. And because he was of German origin and of German ancestry, he was immediately taken um, until they could verify that he was who he said he was and that he wasn't any danger to them. So I found that one really interesting because it kind of highlights yeah. Yeah. just, you know, the fact that people weren't safe even in Canada just because <laughs> they were already part of the war effort, you, which you I think people, <laughs> well, and I think people tend to forget about that is because they were part of the British Empire. They were involved in the war way before we were. So it, it does kind of show that, you know, they had heightened security just because of their situation and they were worried of espionage just as much as we were. Now that's interesting, you know, and, and yeah, I don't think a lot of people would think about that, but Canada was part of the, the British Empire and then they would be subject to the U-boat attacks and something like that. So I can see how uh, an American coming there with German heritage, German ancestry, or had something on him that was German, might raise a lot of suspicion with Canadian authorities. Yeah, that's that's kind of interesting that a Nashvilleian, you know, was caught like that before we even got in the war. So, yeah, yeah, that's pretty interesting, you know. Um, uh, I was curious about, um, I know there's a, is there a German community in Nashville or resources here for uh, research on this kind of a thing? Are you finding a lot of stuff? Or? So far, I've had amazing luck, not mm -hmm. only with the wealth of information here at the archives, but like I said earlier in the podcast, I've been working with the Nashville Church of the Assumption, which mm -hmm. was one of the largest German Catholic churches in the area. Um, I also started working with, I, I just contacted uh, the Monroe Methodist United Church, and I'll be working with them at the beginning of December. Mm -hmm. And then I've contacted a few historians, mm -hmm. uh, some with your help, some uh, just after exploring different areas of mm -hmm. the Nashville German community at large and trying to set up coordinated efforts to work together with them, with their archives, as well as gathering as much as I can through here and through our own collections. Right, right. Well, it sounds like a great project, and I kind of just wanted to go over today and, and say, hey, this is what we're doing new, and we've got you on board, and it's great to have you, and you're doing some fascinating research. I mean, this is going to be um, a real asset to us, I know, you know, and I think uh, I'm so glad you're bringing out the fact that uh, nothing's been done on the Germans here, you know, and the strong German community we had, and, and uh, you know, the, the questions about immigration have been around for a very long time. And so this is one other thing that we can look at as to how Nashville would deal with this sort of thing. So I do appreciate well, all of that. Well, and I do have a direct response to that very question. Mm -hmm. um, Nashville itself started the Mer America First campaign. <laughs> and it was actually started by a couple of Jewish organizations that were already established in Nashville. They decided to plan an entire movement that hmm. enabled the members of these groups to help any alien 
Nashvilleians uh, with the naturalization process. Hmm. And this included a whole bunch of things. Um, it was already started before we waged war. Uh, it was already discussed and in the works as early as the end of March, March 26th. Uh, but their goal was to train any aliens living in the United States to become Americans, and that included help with the naturalization paperwork, hmm. instruction in English, and instruction in the Constitution and other American principles in order to make them truly patriotic <laughs> Americans, no matter what their background used to be. How about that? And that started here. It was, that, the, that was a Nashville-based movement in Nashville order to help naturalize as many aliens living in the Nashville area as possible. Is this tied to the, um, uh, you mentioned earlier about the federal thing, about uh, speeding up naturalization. Is, that, is it kind of tied to that, or was it in, in uh, conjunction to that? Or um, there, There's no direct mm -hmm. link that they decided to do this because of that belief mm -hmm. uh, or because of that article, but it is pretty obvious that as it became clearer and clearer that we were going to go to war with Germany and since, you know, during March, it was pretty much, we, we were just debating the subject as to when. Yeah. Um, it was pretty much determined yeah. that mm -hmm. it was going to happen within a matter of weeks and obviously it did. Uh, but at the time, it was very, very much on the minds of everybody what to do about the immigrant population in the United States, because so many people were living as unnaturalized citizens. They were here legally, but they weren't considered naturalized citizens. And so going into World War One, knowing that we're going to need to... Uh, this is when they implemented the draft right away after we uh, declared war. But because of all of that, they knew we were going to need that many more people hmm. for the service. Hmm. And so by putting forth all of these efforts to show the full American support in the war effort, whether it be on the home front or overseas, everybody was on board. Mm -hmm. And well, not I shouldn't say everybody. A uh, large number of groups were on board, especially mm -hmm. to assist in the process. Uh, there were plenty of people that, at the same time, thought that all Germans needed to either fully embrace the American idea mm -hmm. or completely leave. <laughs> so it was a mixed bag. No one, yeah. I mean... Just like every other time period, when you talk about immigration, there's always going to be both sides. Um, mm -hmm. But it was, it goes to show that Nashville was very much in favor of the naturalization process mm -hmm. in order to unite the city, mm -hmm. especially oh, with yeah. the various groups. Okay, that's pretty interesting, you know. And um, um, it's it's amazing how this community reacted. And so, um, I guess in Nashville there were pockets of. Um, uh, you know, Germans, Irish, uh, Poles, whatever, what might have you. A lot of people, it looks like from some of our naturalization records that a lot of this started big in the 1880s and 90s with all the upheaval in Europe, and they were coming over. So a lot of these people are still going to have ties with family back home in the old country. So I'm sure um, here in Nashville, well, on a national level then, they're probably thinking about that. You know, what are we going to... You know, there's there's this whole population here that has parents or grandparents in Germany, you know, so that I, I can see how that would give cause for concern, you know. Uh, and it's interesting that these, these groups would start up and say, hey, you know, we're, we're going to give um, half pay 
or the America First, we're going to give um, people that are trying to naturalize, we're going to put them on a fast track. Yeah, it's kind of interesting how all that got started, you know, with with this war. Oh, mo- I completely agree with that. But it's very interesting when you consider at the same time we're putting through all of these implementations and interning several Germans, <laughs> German-Americans and stuff like that. Um in the German newspapers, and it's very briefly reported in the Nashville newspapers, German the German Reichstag went on record saying that no Americans living in Germany would be interned. Hmm. They were expected to report mm-hmm. almost on a weekly or daily basis to the little the embassies in their area, but they were the, the German government went on record saying that they would not be interned as enemy nation civilians and so it kind of just goes to show the you know while we are implementing all of these very anti-german procedures they still had hope that they could work things out with us and so as a result they did not want to make things worse that you know that's interesting so germany um yeah they they wanted to hope they could work things out and so they're not going to put any undue stress or restraints on american citizens in Germany, and they made a fact of that. They they sent it to our newspapers and reported it here in Nashville, you know. And so that's really interesting how, how the two nations play out that way, you know. Now, I yeah. will say this is still very on early on in the war, mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. I am not positive if the German government maintained that line. <laughs> um, still plenty of research to be done in that area as well. But because it very well could be the same situation as it was for America, where they say one thing and then a couple weeks later they change their mind and go complete 180. 180. Well, you know, I know uh, I'm wondering if, if Germany is trying to repair some of the diplomatic damage over, you know, the Zimmerman telegram and unrestricted warfare, you know, and and uh, they made some major, major diplomatic flubs, and we finally got into the war, and so. Uh, maybe this was an effort to say, well, you know, we, we need to repair some of that damage maybe on the international scene. I don't know. It's just interesting. Well, and I will say um, anyone who's interested in World War One history, especially in Europe or on the German side, um, it's a well-known fact today that the German media was skewing their newspapers and their mm-hmm. news reports mm-hmm. far heavier than most other now, granted, all of the countries involved in the war were <laughs> skewing their news uh, to muster support and patriotism at home. But Germany was straight out lying to <laughs> their citizens, uh, claiming that military defeats were uh, strategic withdrawals or that they were stalemates um, or just claiming outright victories when it wasn't the case. And so the German people had a much different idea of what was going on in the war than what was actually occurring. Hmm. And so a lot of what was going on and disseminated in Germany at the time wasn't necessarily accurate information. And you can see that with how the government is, how the German government blames President Wilson for the war. Now, granted, Hmm. we did declare war on Germany. Uh, the Kaiser at the time, because he was still in power, refused to accept that any German menacing of U-boats on American harbors had anything to do with it. He said <laughs> everything that they did was in response to all of our actions. And mm. without getting into that debate, because that's 
for a different yeah. conversation on a <laughs> yes. different day. Um, he, the Kaiser and the German newspapers were all very much in favor of blaming entry of us into the war on ourselves opposed mm. to what role they played. And so it's very interesting when you compare how the news is being portrayed here, which is very anti-German, but mm -hmm. at the exact same time, Germany is portraying news that is very anti-American. Uh, that's 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 interesting to see how this thing sets up, you know. And like you say, it's still early in your research, and it's pretty early in the war, you know. So um, I want to continue this, but I do appreciate your time today. And uh, I want to thank everyone for listening today. Uh, this has been Metro Archives with our Back in the Day series talking about uh, the German community here and how it reacted to the beginning of the First World War. Thank you.